0: When you go to Harvard Business School and you work at McKinsey & Company and then you work in private equity, there's really only one thing left to do. And that's go to Silicon Valley and start an artificial intelligence startup. And that's exactly what our guest this week in the Tech Inversions podcast has done. Uh, Profil Krishna is the CEO of Kosir, uh, which is an artificial intelligence company here in San Francisco, focused primarily on understanding natural language and unstructured data. In this particular podcast, we speak with Profil about Uh, where unstructured data lives in a business, and how business can change if that unstructured data is unlocked, as well as where the business market for artificial intelligence lies, how bigger companies, CIOs, CTOs, CEOs, uh, executives at large organizations, are making decisions around how to or how not to leverage artificial intelligence in their companies, Uh, something that Profils had uh, firsthand experience with himself, so without further ado, we'll dive directly into the episode. So, Praveen, I'm interested in uh, first speaking to you about um, unstructured data. Where is it? Where does it live and lie? I know that a lot of the work of Cosier and and uh, your applications in industry of AI today uh, are in this world of unstructured data. Some people might think intuitively, okay, you know, some of the information in our databases and in our company is ordered and structured. Well, maybe some of it isn't. What does unstructured data really mean, and where do you see it live uh, when you're you're out there looking at companies?
1: So, Don at a fundamental level unstructured data is everywhere human beings interact in unstructured data we speak in language we see vision we we hear sounds and and we uh, have the sense of beauty or likes and dislikes none of that has been structured as of now i mean you and i are not talking ones and zeros we are talking words these true. words these words are um, subjective uh, or let's say uh, very, very pertinent to the context in here. Right. So yeah. uh, my favorite example is in San Francisco, when we say a good day, we mean 70 degrees Fahrenheit and certain solar insulations and stuff. And it, but if if you t- took the same thing and took, took yourself to, let's say, some station in Antarctica, a 70 degree Fahrenheit basically means end of world. Right. So <laughs> so, the, so so unstructured data is Everywhere. That's how we live and interact. The the corporate decisions are made, are made unstructured. Uh No no CEO decides that, okay, we will spend X amount of money doing Y and and A amount of doing money B. The the, the decisions are taken. All right, let's go target this market or let's use this messaging to uh, get our brands out there. So that's the inherent problem, Uh, you know, there's unstructured data all around us. And as with the big data and and all the capturing technologies, as we are getting better and better in capturing it and persisting it, um, we are really at loss on how to process it because Abacus was invented, what, 3,500 years ago. And since then, we have become very good at counting stuff. We count, we can add, we can multiply. As long as things are in numbers, okay. I, mean, I, th- I think Palantir and some of these big data technologies are at the forefront of it. They can count almost everything. The problem is we are trying to take this completely unstructured and nebulous and subjective information and trying to impose a very quantified binary decision science on it. Mm. And that's inherent the, inherently the problem that the world of AI is trying to solve.
0: And and I'm interested in in how you frame that problem too. So um, I can see how there would be rationale behind aiming to quantify what isn't now quantified. You know whether that's uh, you know, I was writing an article earlier today on um, some of the developments, and we've had some great interviewees on this topic on machine vision and particularly you know sentiment analysis and things like that. And and you know you can see how all right you know we'll, we'll score certain. Um, Uh, expressions and certain actions and movements in a certain way to represent a certain score of a certain emotion so that, you know, even though it's not ones and zeros when someone smiles or laughs, um, we can still tangibly measure this person's response versus this person's response. It seems like there's a pragmatic benefit, but you can also see how that would potentially be limiting um, if we're trying to boil everything down to numbers, if maybe there's a better or more rich or accurate way of doing so. What is the alternative? In other words, what, what's, what's the other side of this? If we don't want to boil everything down into ones and zeros in the same kind of mathematical way with a
1: score, uh, where else do we go? Well, so there's a continuum, right? The, yes. the, on one end of the continuum is the current decision science, which we talked about is ones and zeros. On the other end is a pure human, let's say, or, or a pure sentient thought process I mean, we 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 really think on instincts, right? The whole Jedi thing—that feel, don't think—that is actually true. Like everyone has the force within them, and then of course we rationalize those decisions, right? And but the first thought always comes as an instinct. So, but there's a continuum between uh, within the within the two, right? So, I think, I think we are taking f- the first few steps towards that con- in, in that continuum, towards being completely sentient on our on on our or let's say the machines being completely sentient on their own. And the first steps are, of course, as you said, like trying to quantify more and more stuff and making scaling up the decision science so that uh, uh, the uh, this um, the decisions are made just on uh, huge amount of data rather than just a simple input to the formula. Yeah. The second step is really to add the context to it, as I just talked about. Uh, the inst- unstructured data is really more powerful if you have the right context in it. Right. Um, a, a simple simple word which is almost unspeakable today was part of uh, would be part of like normal vocabulary and a very normal thing to say a hundred years ago, right? Today you would call that word a racist or something a hundred years ago. That's how yes, everyone would yes. profess, right? So without context, everything is, is, if you're doing sentiment analysis on on those phrases without context, everything is gone out of face, right? So that's the next step. And, and then really, which is where I think the state of art technology is now that I think, I think the brightest minds have given up on trying to formulate the causality and just accepted the causality as is. Let me explain what I mean. Sure. Um, I, I think in, in our, our father's generation in 80s and 90s, art, the field of artificial intelligence has been around forever, right? Oh, yes. In yes. that generation, when people talked about artificial intelligence, they actually were thinking about making a model or a formula, something like F equal to MA, the Newton's first law that can predict everything in the world. And obviously, they were grossly failing. But now with big data, with the ability to capture more and more nuances of any situation and, and the technologies that can scale up massively, um, we are okay saying, hey, listen, whenever there is X, 90% of the times it corresponds to Y. We don't know, but let's take it as a given. Right? And so, yeah, so yeah, first, yeah. I'm, for for example, the genetics thing, right? So I think that's yet the next step, and I think I'm sure. As you, um, uh, I mean, the truth is, our brain is also ones and zeros. Like right? they're basically electronic pulses traveling from yeah. one point uh, in that massive system to another, and that's how decisions are made. And I think truth is, uh, we can take uh, multiple steps towards that. And I think uh, there's still a lot of way to go, but yeah, we have also come a long way.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's curious to see. Um you know, some of the earlier work on uh, what is now referred to as machine learning or deep learning, the, the early, um, what I've heard referred to as sort of naive biological mimicry of, of neural nets. Um, and and that, that these were notions that in some ways were articulated and maybe being attempted at least on some lower level as far back as the 60s. Um, but, you know, we still had the expert systems, the, the kind of pachinko machine of decisions and algorithms Kind of crunching through all the circumstances, and I think now um, it, it, it is becoming evident, at least where we see it, right? As 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 uh, folks outside of the the hardcore um, artificial intelligence labs, you know, the the Googles, the Amazons, and the Facebooks of the world, they they appear to be going about it in quite a different way, in, in the way that is more sort of intuitive and and more. Uh, Built off of kind of kind of identifying patterns and information, almost like we imagine a person does, rather than a long enough equation to calibrate for everything, which seems to not pan out so well uh, in the real world. With that being stated, um, making sense of these patterns clearly has value. I know that a lot of what what you folks focus on um, in your own company now is is on sort of natural language processing. Um, when it comes to the value in unstructured data, wherever that's sitting, and maybe you could give us some examples, I'm interested in what the tangible benefit or yield would be of finally marshalling that, finally using that, finally correlating that to, to help make better business decisions. What are some of the, the use cases of, of applying machine learning to language um, in unstructured data that, that uh, you folks have seen work out successfully on a number of occasions?
1: Right, and and I think that, that's a great question, right? And most of the time, people get into this debate of whether artificial intelligence is just a productivity tool, and you know, really, what you're doing is you're taking what humans would do and get, and you're just making it, uh, making machines do that. And most of the time, people say, may question the ethics of it, and they say it's just a productivity tool. But actually, what the kind of projects that we are working on fundamentally change the way business is done at our clients our client organizations i'll give you an example and mm-hmm. I mean, this is on our, uh, our website as well we are working with a healthcare organization that has to deal with 10 million different skus they purchase or sell uh, uh, different kind of medical equipment and supplies lot, yeah. and devices and stuff and as you know, that each medical SKU comes with a brochure and a white paper and, uh, and, and some like surgical protocols. And none of that is structured. It's, first of all, it's not even English. It's like somewhere halfway between English and Latin. None of that is structured. <laughs> um, but because of technologies like ours, we are helping them for the first time, uh, helping them uh, say things like, hey, SKU number 872 actually turns out. Is the same as SKU number 973. I'm just making this up. Yep, yeah. But 973 is 20% cheaper. So you can imagine if you have that kind of information equipped with that kind of information, it completely transforms the uh-huh. way you do business in that in that particular niche.
0: Yes, yes. Okay. So, so otherwise you're anecdotally, there's no ability to really compare because you have to flip open each each uh, brochure and whichever one kind of fits your need, you know, you've had to go through 20 or 30 of them or 50 of them to get there. So you're like, all right, well, this seems like it's what we need. Let's, let's just go with it. I'm not going to look through uh 10 million of these, but what you're saying is you could structure and make sense of the information. So you could say, Hey, I need all the catheters listed here that are suitable for X, Y, Z circumstances. And then maybe that would be able to, to actually, again, make sense of all those, that hodgepodge of Latin and English. Uh, that, that is in those brochures and those protocols and actually be able to help you make uh, a real-time decision about those uh, kind of almost endless number of, of items.
1: Absolutely, right? Got it. Uh, and, and I can g- and keep going and keep giving you examples on, and, and almost every situation that we go in, and as a startup, we want those situations. I, if there's a situation where we can come in and deploy and save them whatever, $200,000 a year, it excites nobody in the team right I mean I have to like beg someone to actually work on that project <laughs> so, but but there are situations where are really changing the way businesses are done um, and the, the way the business is conducted. you always enter with saying, okay, you know what this is how you do it we're just making uh, we're just going to make it faster but then you realize that once you can automate it you can scale it up massively and that massive scale can really yeah. really impact your ability to conduct that particular operation. And that's, and and, and, and I'm not bragging here, but in, in many of our client situations, that's exactly what we are helping our clients do.
0: Yeah, give us give us one more instance. I mean, I, I'm really interested in, in business and industry application. I think it, it is such a burgeoning field and we'll, we'll catch up on it as a, a kind of a last question. But I think for uh, medium and larger businesses, not that many small businesses probably bringing on very, very schmancy pants, uh, boutique machine learning uh, applications today. Although I imagine that's changing and I know that Watson's trying to target those guys, but, but uh, it's su- such a, such a broad and interesting world. W- what is another example of, of something being automated, you know, without necessarily having to name a company name per se um, yeah. where we're changing fundamentally sort of how businesses run is now possible uh, due to how you can make sense of this, this structured data. Give us one more.
1: So, so, so let's say let's say um, you go and open an account with a bank, sure. right? The financial services is a big application area, as you know. And of course, while you're opening the account, the customer service agent will probably come to your home, and because they want the customer, right? And so, they, oh, yeah. they will, that 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 experience will be delightful, right? Now, let's say you're a small business owner and you want to set up a 401k for yourself or your employer or your employees, right? Now, try try it. I actually you know you should as an experiment you just, just for the heck of it, you should try doing that. <laughs> it's a it's a nightmare. and it's not a nightmare because the banks uh, don't uh, don't like you or they're being too selfish. It's nightmare because there's so many regulations, there's so many forms to be filled up and there's so many um, uh, kind of data points to be collected that even the the bank uh, representative does not know everything, right? Oh, now imagine yeah. a courser, and we are helping one a bank do this. Uh, imagine a courser technology or some any other cognitive technology, uh, reads through all those forms, figures out trains itself on all the past interactions around those forms, and gives you a very simple interface where, where all the information has already been collected and put in, which is kind of trivial in this day and age. But those legal sounding forms have been converted into just yes and no questions
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: so um uh, what is um uh, do you qualify for code 493 uh, exception now that that is a question or, or exclusion Some I, I forget the word but do you qualify for section 493 exclusion is a question in one of these forms right <laughs> and, and that's a completely wrong yeah. way i mean what is 493 what kind of exclusion you know and yep, but yep, yep. If you, but if you took them, question are you uh what is your revenue between the, in this range or how do you have so many employees? Yes, so just, yes, just doing yes, that, yes, That's on the other side where you're taking a very complex situation and actually simplifying it and making that uh, process seamless for the user. But the power of the technology is that if a bank, small, big or insurance company, whichever or legal, legal firm, if they have thousands of documents in there, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You can just keep feeding it to the computer and the computer will keep generating these workflows almost automatically.
0: Okay, got it. So if I'm following you here, the goal is, hey, you know, instead of reading these 200 pages, you have no idea what dark corner of which of these forms, in what legalese referring to what other form, actually means X or Y. If that could be distilled down into a couple pages of Yeses and no's, and rules that you need to follow to the point whereby you could go through that, you could get the basic understanding, you could submit what's needed without needing to hire, you know, four lawyers to read through the thing and come up with their assessments of it to figure out what the rules are. If, if you had a machine that could, wouldn't you just go about it that way? And it sounds like that's, that's the nut that you're trying to crack.
1: Exactly. And yep. then imagine if you crack this, the entire customer service operation. Is, is completely transformed
0: definitely and, a different
1: ball game definitely a different ball
0: game yeah
1: and the structure does not need to be two or three pages the inherent structure can be as complex as you want it can have thousand different exclusions and 1500 different criteria it doesn't matter it's a computer right yep. but for the user you are just stepping through it one by one maybe you get one question on your screen and there's a yes or no or don't know maybe three options there for everything yeah. and that's how you you're navigating with it so as a user you just love this bank. You just, you just want to buy more products from it because the, the entire inertia of dealing with that legal speak has been taken away.
0: And, and man, I mean, that, that's uh, even, of course, outside of banking, I know that there are um, even kind of more expert system type of AI applications in the domain of sort of compliance and, and regulation just because, man, keeping up with, depending on what industry you're in, um, keeping up with, especially internationally, um, all the various and sundry laws and regulations and rules around uh, trade and information and, and how things are done, um, because they're being updated in, in all the time, it's, it seems like there's, there's a lot of headaches around making decisions. And, and of course, there'd be a ton of value in being able to really clarify that. Um, my, my last question for you um, is, you know, we've spoken to a number of folks who are doing more boutique artificial intelligence uh, applications, building things out uh, for companies uh, at their request, whether it's, you know, image recognition or recommendation, recommendation uh, systems or uh, whatever the case may be. Um, and it, it seems as though this domain of businesses, whether it's SMBs or big companies, um, wh- whoever it is that you're, you're selling to today, I imagine it's pretty varied. Um, when they are picking among the solutions, h- how do we apply machine learning? How do we apply deep learning? How do we apply artificial intelligence to this problem? Um, it's really not nearly as we might, you know, it's not that, not that the alternative is simple, but it's much simpler to pick, let's say, a CRM or a point of sale software or a email marketing uh, solution or something like that. It's kind of clear. The vendor comparisons are quite clear. Uh, the technology, maybe for a lot of folks, is easier to understand. Um, where do you think this field is going? Right now, I, I see, you know, I see IBM. Um, and then I see so many interesting niche applications coming up in different corners with different angles on this problem. Do you think, you know, over what kind of span of time do you think that we'll start to have kind of some some ground rules in terms of who are the big players, what are the, the uh, coding languages that people are using as a de facto, you know, there, there's folks that like R and Python and whatever else. Um, do you think this will ever become kind of a, in, Anyway, similar to the other kind of IT tech choices that CTOs and CIOs have to pick from, or is this inherently more boutique kind of in and of itself? What do you think about that?
1: So I think you asked a bunch of questions, uh, and hundreds of billions of dollars will exchange hands trying to answer those. Um, Here is the fundamental truth. Unlike any other branch or discipline of computer science, Cognitive computing is inherently probabilistic, which means that when someone like me comes and says, hey, we solved the problem and the answer is 42, we really mean somewhere between 41 and 45. Hmm. And, and I think for the current buyers or current users of this technology, the CIOs who have who have generally built their careers. In, um, by the way, we, we sell to like Fortune 500 companies and we meet these people all the time who have built their careers dealing with deterministic system where they are used to answers 42.035. It is a very, very big shift in mindset.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, and I don't know what brings that about. Maybe it's just a, it will take a generation because I mean, you and me understand it, right? And I'm, I'm probably older than you. At least on you, some but,
0: level.
1: Right, so, so, but at least we are comfortable with the inherent... Inherent vagueness or or inherent uh, error built in the system, right? Yeah, yeah. um, and uh, Maybe it will take a generation for uh, for uh, the you new know, new generation of CIOs who are very uh, open to that Or maybe these CIOs will get to it because they will see the uh, they will have the patience um, through the learning curve and see the delightful advantages of AI and the, in those some of the ways that we talked about in this in this in this inter- conversation yeah. um, you know and maybe they'll see and adopt more yeah. and more. Here's what I will say though today when we look for businesses there are two two kinds of customers we meet. Um, I think 80% of the customers are frustrated in some problem that they have. for example this healthcare company I talked about yeah and and they just are desperate to try almost anything. Even if it half works, that's more than good enough for them. Twenty percent of customers that we meet have have kind of um, a vision that goes. Um, or let me put it this way: they are trying to uh, to set up certain standards, and they're trying to differentiate their organization from the from others. And use of technology is a big part of that. Yeah. Uh, and and they are just trying out. And. The, and we almost kind of don't return those calls because we know that they're they're looking for a, a birthday gift neatly wrapped up. Where really what we are delivering is some kind of gooey stuff, and which may bake into a good cake, but is not there or it cannot get there on day one.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting. You know, you tell me if if this meshes with what you're saying here, um, Rafa, But when I've spoken with other folks. Who go and build these artificial intelligence applications for companies they say that there is a segment of the market now um who is who who is looking for uh who who's who's essentially looking for a problem for this solution not the other way around right they're not looking they don't have a particular problem they're asking is this the technology that could solve that for our organization among the various options we have but they're saying man we really want to get into AI. Wouldn't it be cool if we could use that just like Amazon and Google and how cool they are? And I think that uh, that will undeniably um, be a driver, um, you know, that that sort of keeping up with the Joneses factor, uh, as it were, be a driver of adherence and, and sort of adoption of different technologies. But it sounds like, uh, it, you know, and, and it makes total sense. It sounds like Um, It's also not necessarily the most realistic way to come into a new technology, because unless you have a legitimate need that may legitimately require that kind of a complex system, you're just going to come frustrated with it. It's not a fun toy you can tack on and have have fun with. It's a longer term project of making sense of data over time. And it's not, uh, you know, it's not 42.6. Like you said, it's a probabilistic system. Is Is that sort of what you've run into as well?
1: Absolutely. And that, that's been our experience. People, the, 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 the niche of the market that you describe, become disillusioned by it. And remember, these are these are uh, big organizations. So we, so if for a VP to say, hey, I'm going to go and use cognitive technology, he's kind of putting his neck out there in many ways, right? He'll yeah, see. he and, and And that person to go and, and you get something and people are like, eh, you know, yeah, it was supposed to do all these things. But it's been uh, it's been particularly if you go for watson and stuff and the, the time to deployment is so huge it's been two years and nothing is happening what's going on that vp is going to lose uh, his or her job that's it that's it right yeah versus a vp or a director who's like oh gosh how do i solve this problem let's just try anything that works and they use and we, we use we work more with this latter uh, stereotype yeah. uh, and let's just do it and you know even if it goes halfway they are promoted, right? So that's the that's the dichotomy we are seeing in the market. And we're trying to stay in the latter segment, which is, of course, a harder sell. Uh, I mean, I'm sure when right now we are in a honeymoon spot, so there's a lot of inbound demand. But yeah, yeah. whenever we want to scale our operation, that'll be a harder sell. But that's the right thing to do to win sticky business.
0: Yeah, to, to win with folks who who have a legitimate deeper need, not, not kind of a, a hot initial desire and curiosity, but but who, who really do require this as a solution. And I, and I think it won't really be a pragmatic standard in business unless it is, right? It's If it's a, if it's a toy in a couple closets, um, it's it's not going to become adopted broadly. I think enough companies will have to really have the need and have problems that really require it, like Amazon does, like Google does, like Facebook does. And, and and those are the folks that people are looking to. Uh, Prof, I, I know we went a little bit over time, but it's great to be able to get your perspective on the industry. Uh, I sincerely appreciate you being able to share your insights with us here on the Tech Emergence Podcast.
1: I'm more than happy to call me again if you like.
0: And that wraps up this episode on the Tech Emergence Podcast. Thanks for being here. And remember to subscribe on iTunes to stay on top of the latest news breaks, researcher perspectives and entrepreneur interviews in artificial intelligence, neurotechnology, and more. And we want to hear from you as well. So be sure to leave a review on iTunes, which are always appreciated, or contact us directly at infotechemergence.com. And remember, all of our entrepreneur interviews and interviews with top researchers from around the world, from Stanford to Oxford and beyond, can be found right on our main site at techemergence.com. Remember to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. So, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Figella signing off, and I'll see you next week.